morning, everybody. I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about this series that we just started last week. Um, I'll get into that in just a second. So there is a quick announcement. I don't I think I only have one for today. But uh, Elios, our discipleship program, uh, otherwise known as our Bible classes, uh, we're just getting that launched. And so we're kind of doing a uh, somewhat what I call pre-launch, but I'm also announcing it to anyone who's listening as well. If you go to our Bible classes page, and uh, that's underneath uh, the, the ministries uh, part of the menu. Also, if you actually go on the home page, you just scroll down a little bit, and it'll talk about attending our church, attending Bible classes, our studies, and then Bible classes. If that's a shortcut, you can get in there that way too. But if you go in there, you scroll down about a third of the way down, or maybe about halfway down, the, the, like the third section, and it'll talk about our new correspondence courses. If you go there and you, you first of all click the first uh, button there called register. Go ahead and register. The directions are on there. Uh, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to get an email that you registered and your uh, just basic information. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to send you two emails. One's going to come from us, by more likely my email, David Hurt. And then there could be a second email that will come from Lighthouse Discipleship Center. That one may go into your spam folder, so or junk folder, whatever that's called in your email. You need to set up a user password, and then you also need to, uh, and then the email that we send you, I send you, will give you some more directions. And uh, uh, about the first two classes you can watch. There will always be two classes that unlocked for you once you register and sign in and you're good to go. And then you can just uh, go from there. I know uh, this is a fast version of going over it, but if you have questions, our phone number is all over our website. Our email is over our website. Give us a call, reach out to us. We'll get you started. Uh, uh, sometimes if you register, especially on the weekend when we're doing our Bible studies, church, it might take a couple days for that email to come to you. Just be patient with us. But my goal is to get right back to you as soon as I can. Um, and so... Uh, there's more information on it. Uh, I'm trying to keep it as simple, uh, as concise. Uh, why are we doing this? One, we're all about discipleship. That's primarily. And I can I can spend hours just talking about why we're about discipleship and whatnot. But also, uh, there have been many people locally who have expressed interest to come to our live uh, Bible uh, classes, but they can't because of traffic, because of different issues. If you ever live in Southern California, you understand what I'm talking about. But especially during the week. Um, and so, but people want to come, but they can't come. And I don't want to deprive people from not taking the classes just because they can't make it here physically. And so, because we're sharing online too, and on our website, it's, this is also available worldwide. We're not trying to compete with anything. We are not a Bible college. We are a church. And we disciple people. And uh, we set this program up in such a way that not only correspondence, but it's also in such a way where we can not micromanage, but we can be a part of the discipleship journey with you. Uh, yeah, if you finish each class, there's a little form to fill out, just one to monitor your progress, but also for you there, ask any questions. And uh, just give a little feedback. It's a very simple form, only two questions. Besides your basic info, your name, and then your uh, restating your phone number or uh, contact info, uh, just so we, if we do need to respond to something, we can reach out to you and make sure all that's current because that can change from time to time. Anyway, uh, we're just trying to uh, be involved in that process. And um, uh, if 
and this is a big uh, if. If someone were to complete all three phases of, of this course, you could become eligible to become licensed or ordained if that's your goal. Uh, but there's a matter uh, once we cross that bridge, we will there's an application process of that too, and we'll, yeah, we'll discuss that later on. Most people, that's not even their interest. They just want to get discipled into the day of Christ. Uh, but at the same point in time, those who are discipled, I think I see us all as able ministers of the gospel. And we don't need a license or ordination to do that. But at the same point in time, uh, uh, that can come to play. Anyway, that's more information I want to go with that direction. Right now we have elders discipleship classes. Because of all this going on and because people haven't been able to come here physically because, as Andrew said, we're not doing our, our live classes here. Uh, I've taken that off the calendar for the time being. We might bring that back once some other things grow and whatnot. But, so all we have right now is online classes. And that's the only way we're doing it right now uh, for this season. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. Again, if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to reach out to us. And then we're just going to go ahead and get into the message this morning. Okay, we're good with that for now. Uh, I know I spent a little more time on that than I usually do, but this is new. And I'm excited about that. I spent a lot of time on that. Uh, be patient with us, even with this program, as we're still trying to iron out some of the speed bumps that might still arise as we try to get this uh, large and efficient for you, for us, and uh, all together. So, okay? Well, without further ado, let's get to the message this morning. This is part two of being established in your Father's love. And uh, we're just going to get some set and do this. Yes. Okay? Sorry. So let's go ahead and show me, if you will, the first John chapter 3. That's where we're going to start off this morning. And uh, if you were with us last week, you're going to see that I'm going to be repeating a few things that I talked about last week. And I'm doing that on, on purpose because there are some points that I really want to get established in our hearts. And so... We tell you things we can't say too much. So, First John chapter three, beginning of verse one, and we'll go ahead and get started this morning. Again, the title of this series, our message, is being established in your Father's love. And I'm going to read the first three verses. It says, "Behold, I'm in the New King James. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God." Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we, shall, we will know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Now, I want to go back to verse 1 at the first, that first sentence, and I want to repeat that. I'm going to spend a little more time on this this morning, then we're going to get some build, build on this. But behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, I'm, re I'm really not reading this in the right tense that it should be read, because if you notice in uh, the first sentence there, verse 1, it ends with an explanation mark. John, the writer, is exclaiming, Proclaiming this statement. Behold, 
what manner of love the Father has, not going to be, but he has already bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. That is a profound statement if we understand that. In other words, there's something that we should be beholding. Beholding doesn't mean just glance at. It means to gaze on. It means to look upon. It means to study it. Behold. Put your focus on it. Zero in. Magnify it with a magnifying glass. Behold what manner, what kind, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Last week I used an analogy of a rose growing in the Antarctic. A rose naturally will not grow in an icy Antarctic uh, uh, environment. If a rose was growing in the Antarctic, we would want to know what kind of rose is this? What's causing this rose to grow in, a, in an environment that is foreign to its nature? Does that make sense? There's such a love that God has for it. Actually, when you study this word manner, it means from what country? It, mean, it means foreign. God's love is foreign to this world. This world cannot comprehend it. It doesn't understand it. This world doesn't, the world in itself does not possess it. Uh, as we studied last week, love is of God. Love is God. Not only is it is God, it's of God. So it's not of this world. And it's this manner of love that we're to behold that the Father, because we're talking about being established in our Father's love, has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, I'm going to, and, and, and hopefully in future weeks, I'm going to be talking a little more about the children aspect as children of God. And I'm not going to rehash everything that I, 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 I talked about last week. Let me just also make mention, too, sometimes people use these verses, especially verse 2. Uh, I'm not going to reread that again right now. But sometimes people use this verse to talk about Jesus' second coming. And I believe it can very well much apply. Um, especially some translations bring that out a little more clear. Especially when they can actually get to read part of it. I just read it again. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed of what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he is revealed. Yes, you know, I'm not, I don't want to take away any way, shape, or form when Jesus comes again. When we're going to see him face to face of all eternity. It's going to be blissful. It's going to be, it's going to, uh, it's something that we have never experienced. It's going to be, uh, eternity is going to be awesome. There's just not a, there's not a sufficient English words to describe how glorious and how awesome and how beautiful and how amazing eternity will be with Jesus. But how many of you know eternity doesn't start when Jesus comes again? It doesn't start when we die. Jesus said in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life that we know him. When we have a relationship with God, when we have a relationship with, with, with Jesus, that is eternal. That is an eternal relationship. And this love, what is love? 1 John 4, 10 says, love is not that we love him, but that he loved us and became the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a, is a fancy word, big word that a lot of us don't understand. But it means he was our sacrifice. He was the worthy Lamb of God who died for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the propitiation. And so love, by definition, is Jesus dying on the cross. And it's this, it's this matter of love, Jesus, God, being our propitiation 
that we should be called the children of God. We are children, his children, because of Jesus. And when it says when he is revealed. I don't know about you, but when Jesus, the gospel, was revealed to me, and I believed it, I became born again. And when, I, when, I, when Jesus was revealed to me through the gospel, I, I saw him. And, I, and where it says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It was in that moment when I saw Jesus, and I saw his gospel, and I, and I, I, and I became born again. That as I saw him, I became like him, because I saw him as he is. Not as he's going to be, but as he is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I became a new creation. I became born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. I became, uh, he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become, that I might be born of. That's what that word become means. That I might be born of the righteousness of God. As he is, so am I in this world. There's several scriptures that, that, that bring us to light, but it talks about that when we, he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, I'm getting way ahead of my notes here, because I want to spend more time in verse 2, and that's where I want to get to this morning. Let me just back up in my notes a little bit here. This blessed hope that I was just talking about, about Jesus coming again, is not just him coming again, even though that's a big part of even this context. But how many of you know... Uh, that this, our blessed hope that we have in Jesus is not just being with him for eternity. That's only half the story. That's only a part of the verse. That's a big part of the verse. But when we see him, we shall be like him. But we shall see him as he is. We've been talking uh, a lot about love. See, love is it's not of this world. It's not of our emotions. It's not of our personality. Love is of God. Love is of God, and we shall be like him as we see him as he is. With that in mind, real quick, let's uh, jump with me to chapter 4. Chapter 4, and we'll pick it up in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. So that's where it originates. We'll come back to that. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is what? Love. God is one. God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just uh, possess love like a virus. God is love. He's the, he's the essence of love. He's the definition of love. And this love is love that love was manifest toward us. That one. God has sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world that we might live through him. There's more in here I could talk about. But I'm just trying to zero in on this phrase at the end of verse 8. is also echoed in verse 16. But God is love. God is the definition of love. God is love. He's the source of love. And this love is not of, uh, uh, of this world, but God is love. And if I can connect with this, this, this phrase, God is love. I mean, I mean, we can agree God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. But if I can connect this with, with the... With what we just read in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 2, where we shall be like him when we see him as he is. How is God? Now, there's a lot of aspects of God that we can talk about, but we're talking about the love of God. God is love. And when we see God as he is, 
love, we shall be like him who is love. Am I making sense? Are you, are you following my train of thought? God is love, so when we see him as he is, God is love, and when we see God as he is, which is love, we shall be like him. When we see him as he is. If we don't see God as love, we're not going to be like him in that respect. Is that making sense? How do we become like him? We become like him as we see him as he is. God has revealed himself to us as a God of love. And when we see him as a God of love, he's not a hard taskmaster. He's not mad at us. He's not even in a bad mood, as Andrew Womack would say. God is love. First Corinthians 13 talks about what love is. Love, love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing. Love never fails. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, God is love. And when we see him like he is, we shall be like him. You know, again, he's talking about, behold what manner of love that God Father has bestowed that we should be called the children of God. Like Father, like Son. Jesus is the Son, Son of God, but we too are sons. We're born of God. We are children of God. Sons and daughters of God. We're born of God. That's why it says, going back to chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Because when we see God as who he is, love, we are going to be like him. We're born of him. That, that making sense? So he does not love, does not know God, for God is love. And we're going to we're spend, spend more time on this in just a minute. Um, let me just say this. God's love is not in our hearts independent of his presence, of who he is. Um... In other words, let me, let me fast forward here for a moment. Jump down with me to verse 15. In chapter 4. First John 4, 4, 15. Sorry. I've got so many thoughts. I'm trying to get these into a logical order here. But whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And he who know, and we have known and believed the love of love that God has for us. And God is, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. There's a lot here, but I want to focus just for a moment on this last part. God is love. And so he repeated again what he just said in verse 8. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Uh, I, I know I've read that kind of fast, but if we dwell in God, we dwell in love. If we, if we are dwelling in love, we are dwelling in God. If we're not dwelling in God, we're not going to dwell in love. If we're not dwelling in love, it also tells me we're not dwelling in God. Because God is love, and love, going back to verse 7, don't get dizzy on me, because I'm scrolling back and forth, but verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is of God. Not only is God love, but love is of God. And there's only one way we can love one another is if we are abiding and dwelling in God. <coughs> so if there's a, a defect in my love for God, or a defect in my love towards me, myself, a lot of us don't love ourselves. 
We do until we don't. We, we have pride, but how many of us put down ourselves all the time? We are negative on ourselves. But if we have a defect towards ourselves, and we have a defect towards other people, then there's a defect. <coughs> Excuse me. Going back to verse 16 here. There's a defect in us dwelling in God. Because if we're going to operate in love, we're going to operate in love because we're dwelling in God, and God in us. We will be like Him because we see Him as He is. I know I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to combine all these verses I'm reading together. But when we behold what manner of love He has upon us, that we should be called the children of God, going back to chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, but we shall be like Him when we see Him as He is. When we see God as He is, we will be like Him. So if we're struggling in loving one another, struggling in loving God, struggling in loving ourselves, we are, we are struggling in receiving and beholding His love for us. Because we love because He, first, verse 19 actually says, we love because He first loved us. We have to abide in His love. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm struggling loving people like I should, especially when people have done negative things, evil things to me, or whatnot, or, or even to other people. But God says we're supposed to love even our enemies. We're supposed to love all people. I can't do that in the flesh. But I can do that with Christ. I can do that by abiding in Him. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm, not, I'm um, saying a lot of different things here. Let me just go back to verse 15, or 16. Excuse me, I want to go back here. And we have known and believed the love of, that love God has for us. I want to read that again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. I spent a little time just now on this last part, but I want to go back to the first part, which we talked a lot about last week. We have known and believed the love of God. And in verse 17, actually I want to toggle here real quick to the King James. Excuse me. Hopefully I'm making sense this morning. I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit because I have so many thoughts. Let me read this again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. But verse 17 says this. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I'll get to this a little bit later. Okay? But herein is our love made perfect. And here, where, where does the herein come from? Herein what? Herein knowing and believing God's love for us. When, hopefully you're following me. When we know and believe the love that God has for us, our love is made perfect. That, that word perfect means to mature. It means to bring to completion. It means to have its full potential. My love is made perfect by knowing and believing His love for me. That's a deep thought, but that's very foundational. As we are established in our Father's love for us, our love towards Him, towards ourselves, Towards others, towards you, will be perfect. In other words, the my love towards my spouse will be made perfect 
when I know his love for me. Your love for your kids will be made perfect when you know his love for yourself. Your love towards your friends will be made perfect when you know his love for you. Your love for the church and the fam your family and the family of God will be made perfect, will come to completion, will be perfected as you know his love for you. If I'm struggling in knowing his love for me, there's going to be a disconnect in me loving you and loving others. Because I'm going to, if I don't know his love for me, then I'm going to be loving you out of the flesh, out of my emotions, out of my feelings. That's out of the flesh. And how do you know our flesh doesn't always want to cooperate? You ever wake up in a bad mood? You ever get frustrated? We don't always feel like loving. See, love is not a feeling. Love is a person. His name is Jesus. God is love. Love is of God. And if we're not connected with God, then we have no source where that love is going to come from. There's different kinds of love. There's Eros love. There's Phileo uh, 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 um, love. There's different kinds. But agape love, love that is of God, can only originate with God. It can only be originated as we are establishing our Father's love for ourselves. Can our love then become a perfect towards one another? The reason so that we struggle with loving one another is we don't know or and or we don't believe His love for us. Some people know intellectually God loves them. But not everyone believes. Some people believe it, but they don't have any relationship with God. We need to know and believe God's love for us. Am I making sense as I'm trying to get, uh, get going this morning? Um, how do we know God's love for us? How do, we, how do we get that revelation? Going back real quick to First uh, John chapter 3. Verse 2. But we know that when his love is revealed, how is God's love revealed to us? I talked about this a little bit last week. It's revealed to us three different ways by the scriptures, his word. It's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 5 5, King James says, that his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we also know his love, which kind of is a combination of the two that I just mentioned, by our relationship with as we get to know Him, as we have a relationship with Him, who is love, we will, His love to us will be revealed. Okay? So, I mean, if you notice, if everything I teach in this church, I'm talking a lot about righteousness and different things, but everything springs from a relationship with God. We are not going to know His love. We're not going to operate His love if we don't know His love for ourselves. Because knowing and believing God's love, our love, is made perfect. In other words, you can't give what you don't have. If you don't have his love for yourselves, you can't give it to others. You can't give what you don't have. Let me just say this. Let me go back to 1 John chapter 4 real quick. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures in verse 10. I may mention this a minute ago, but in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. That is that God loved us 
and that he became our propitiation. He, he became our worthy lamb. He became our sacrifice. This is love. But if you also would look to me, go, go with me real quick to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm not, I don't have time to go into the whole context here. I want to go back to the New King James. Or maybe I want to go to the King James. Okay, King James works. But, but as it says, faith works by what? The last part of the verse, I don't, I'm not going to focus on the first part of the verse, but the last part of the verse says that faith works by love. What's love? Love, we just read in 1 John 4, 10. Love is this, that he loved us. And became our propitiation. Our, well, where does faith come from? Faith comes from reading the Word of God. Our faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. Amen? That's where faith comes from. But this faith that we come from hearing the Word of God works by love. What's love? God loving us. And becoming our propitiation. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God, the Gospel. And I mean, no, the Word of God is not a the ink, the word of God is a person. God is love. Faith originates from God, but this faith doesn't become effectual, doesn't work until we, it works it only, in other words, let me say it just totally different. Faith only works by us knowing God's love. Knowing Him, believing His love. Because love is of God. As we know His love and believe His love, our love is made perfect. This causes our faith to work. We have faith in God. We have faith in His love. But we need to, it works by His love. But if we don't know His love, we don't believe His love, our faith won't work. Let me, let me show it to you another way. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, okay, let me go back one more time to the New King James. Actually, I'll stay where I was, sorry. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We usually focus on the first part, and it's very powerful, and I, 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 I'm not going to teach all that right now. But Paul says that... In, Yet not, not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Everything I've been trying to teach is in this verse right here. That where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And it's not just any faith, it's not faith. It's the faith of God. It's the faith of the Son of God who, what? Loved me. And gave himself for me. What's love? Jesus loving me and becoming my propitiation. The life I live, I live by this faith. And this faith, Galatians 5, 6, only works by his love. Does that make any sense? If I'm not established in God's love for me, my faith cannot work. And I'm living my life on my own. Not by the faith of the Son of God. Am I, am I making sense? Our whole life functions 
by Christ living in us. We were crucified with Christ. It's not we who live, it's Christ who lives in us. And he lives, he functions, he's effective by, our, by his faith and that work in us. And it works by his love that in his propitiation. As we know and we believe God's love for us, our faith, our life will live. As the scripture says, the just shall live by his faith. We need to know his love. We need to be established in our Father's Am I making sense this morning? Or if we're just making sense? In other words, let me say it this way. If you know God's love for you, like Paul, you will have a profound effect in this world. Because if Christ is living in you, and your life is living because Christ is living in you, like Paul, your life will have a profound effect. Did Paul have a profound effect in his life once he became born again and filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, he did. I'm not saying we're all going to be Paul's, and that's our calling, and be apostle. But our life will have a profound effect when Christ is shed abroad in our hearts, his love by the Holy Spirit. When you see God's, in other words, let me say it this way, when you see God's mercy for yourself, you can be merciful to others. When you see God's forgiveness for yourself, then you can be forgiving to others. When you see God's long-suffering towards you, you can be long-suffering towards others. See, our problem is not the absence of wanting to love one another. Sometimes that's the case. But usually that's not always a problem. It's not the, the absence of our wanting to love one another. Usually our problem is not knowing and believing God's love for ourselves. I just know when, if I'm struggling, and maybe it's in the gift, I might know this intellectually, I might know this biblically, I might know this doctrinally, I might know this theologically, but if I, but if, if I don't know in my heart His love for me, and in the moment I'm not believing, I'm not focused on His love for me, then I can act out of the flesh. In any given moment, in any given situation, I don't want to act out the flesh. I want Christ. I want to, as I, I will be like Him as I see Him as He is. And in the moments when I maybe I'm struggling the flesh, I need to get back into His presence and remember His love for me. And it's by that I can love one another as I share. Let's go back to 1 John 4, 19. I know I already read it. I know I'm jumping around a lot, but hopefully this is making sense this morning. We love him because he first loves us. Love is not of you. Love is not of this world. Love is not of our emotions. Love is not of our feelings. Love is of Knowing and believing God's love will change you supernaturally. Let's go to verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. 
Now, obviously, verse 18 follows verse 17. It's verse 17, which we spent a lot of time last week and uh, already this morning, that when we know and believe God's love for us, our love can be made perfect. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This perfect love will cast out all fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. There's a lot I can expound on fear. Now, fear can be a paralytic. You ever, I don't know about you, but I know some people are just extremely afraid of heights. You get them on a ladder or on a high place, they just kind of freeze up. Fear, you know, I can talk a lot about different aspects of fear. But some of us have a fear that God's not going to meet our needs. Some of us have a fear that when we pray to be healed, we're not going to be healed. Some of us have a fear of rejection from family, from, from others. But perfect love casts all fear. When we know His love for us, let me just piggyback, and we're going to come right back here, but in, uh, let's go to Romans 8 real quick. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God gave us his son to die for us, how much more will he not also give us freely all things? But if we're honest with ourselves, some of us, most of us, and more likely all of us at some point in time, sometimes have a fear that God's not going to meet our needs. Our paycheck's not going to be enough. Especially when the bills compiling, maybe we're going through a trial, maybe uh, sometimes, uh, you know, how many of you know sometimes when everything can go wrong, seems like it's going wrong. The car stops working, the appliances stop working. The pets start working, your body stops working. You know, all, all things just kind of fall together. You have this tragedy, this tragedy, maybe you get a speeding ticket. And all these bills come in, the, the property insurance comes in, the taxes go, go up, the insurance goes up. Everything just falls apart. Everything just seems to be falling apart. Things, things can happen in a heartbeat. Or maybe there is a tragedy. Maybe there's a car accident or, or whatever. The medical bills start piling up and uh, dental problems or well, all kinds of different things and scenarios. But sometimes in the middle of life, we sometimes get this fear we're going to drown in this finances and all these problems and all these troubles and different things. That's fear talking. But but perfect love casts out all fear. When we know and believe God's love for us, our love is perfected. And that perfect love casts out fear. When you're a fear that, that everything's going to fall apart, that God's not going to come through, or whatever's not going to come through, get back into God's presence. Get back into receiving His love. Because His love 
when you know and believe his love, your love will be perfected. And that perfect love, that matured love, will cast out the fear. Because there's no fear has torment. When we're worried about stuff, when we're stressed about stuff, when we're stressed, that's fear. And it's tormenting us at times. But he that feareth is not made perfect in love. When we are just know that our Abba, our Daddy, our Father, is going to take care of us. Uh, because he who did not spare his own son, how much more will he not give us all things? And when we trust and when we believe his love for us, that love is, is, that love is going to cast out fear. And we are made perfect in his love. Am I making sense? I hope I'm not the only one that sometimes stresses over stuff. I know I shouldn't. But I know my emotions go there. My mind goes there. The enemy is tempting me with things. But his love tells me that my Ba'aba, what, behold what manner of love the Father has on us, that we should be called the children of God. And our Ba'aba is going to take care of all of our needs if he did not spare his own son, because this is love that he, be, he died for us, that we might, might be our propitiation. But his promise is, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God then says, he is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He led me beside green, green pastures, he, he restores my soul. I know I'm chopping up that verse, but, but at the same point in time, my God will take care of me. He promises, all the promises of God are yes and amen, and Him through us. And perfect love casts out any other argument, any other fear that says, my God will not be, come through, that His grace is not sufficient for me. If we're walking in fear, if we're walking in worry, we're not in that moment, in that instance, in that season, in that train of thought, we're not made perfect in life. All we have to do is get back into His presence and be reminded. Does that make sense? We might know He loves us, but sometimes in the moment we don't believe He's going to come through. We need to know and believe that's going to perfect our love. <coughs> I'm talking about being established in our Father's love. He loves us. I wasn't going to go here right now, but I did here last week. But I'll go again with Ephesians chapter 3. You know, when Sherry and I met over 19 years ago, this was our favorite passage. I'm going to start verse 14. I remember when we started our life together, our ministry together. This, this was our hearts. That not only we would get this, but other people would get this too. So for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through what? Faith. Faith is made perfect in what? By love. Faith works by love. Paul talks about the, his life uh, operates by the faith of God. And the love of God is shed, that, um, that God has demonstrated towards him. 
But anyway, I got lost my train of thought. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded, established in love. What's love? Not that you love him, but that he loved you and became your propitiation. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the full dimension of God's love. And to and to know the love of Christ, which passes or surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll spend more time with this later in our teaching. But how many of you know that there's two kinds of knowing here? We can know that God loves us intellectually. We can know that God loves us biblically and scripturally and theologically. But there's a knowing that surpasses knowing. There's a knowing that surpasses just intellectual knowledge. There's a, there's a, you know, so many times when I talk about God loves you, sometimes the response I get from people, I know that. Just the fact that they told me that in that manner, in that tone, in that attitude, tells me they don't know it yet. They know intellectually. I believe they're very sincere in what they know. But if we knew that we knew that we knew that we knew how much we're beholding what manner the Father has bestowed upon us, that wouldn't be our response. You ever fall in love with your mate, with your spouse, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend? I mean, and when they told you or someone said, you know, they love you. Oh, I know that. Was that your response? Some people are so in love they can't even think straight. They can't function straight. I mean, you just know when the love bug hit. Because <laughs> they're just acting very loving. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just, they got that love sickness. You know? God is high over hills over you. And God has never been bored with loving you. God is there's a scripture in Zephaniah 3.17 that talks about how God is, if you read it in the Hebrew and get into the context of the, the words that are being expressed here, God is dancing over you. He is just doing his little jig about how much he loves you. God is in love with you. When we, God wants us to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. There's a, there's a knowing that surpasses knowledge. And he said when we know his love, we will be filled with the very fullness of God. That's powerful. That's profound. See, it goes back to you. Let me go back. I keep going back here. Verse John chapter 3, verse 2. When he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When we see God as he is, a God of love, we will be we will be filled with his fullness. That's awesome. Because no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's God within me. See, okay, let's go back to where I just was a minute ago. First John chapter 4, verse 18. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I'm hoping this all is 
time together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has been made perfect in love. You can know how much of God's love you have. Hope I'm making that question clear. You can know how much of God's love you have. You can know how much of God's love you are believing and receiving. You know, you know how you know how much of God's love you have? Is by knowing how much fear you have. Do you have any fear in your heart? About anything? Because perfect love casts out fear. If there's any ounce of worry, stress, fear of any kind, I don't care how small it is, I don't care how big it is. However much fear you have in your life tells me how much, how less of God's love you you are knowing, believing in that moment. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not putting anyone down. But it's, you know, on our car, my Jeep, the Jeep I ride, I drive, right, I don't ride it, I drive it, <laughs> you know, it has gauges. It tells me my speed. It tells me how much fuel I have. It tells me the oil level. It tells me the battery level. It tells me the, the temperature. It's gauging. It's not judging anything. It's just telling me everything's working properly or not working properly. A couple weeks ago, the, 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 the temperature gauge was in the red or near the red. That's not good. That tells me I need to find out what's wrong. The oil gauge was at zero. That's not good. I need to find out why it's at zero. And almost every week, the fuel gauge goes to the, the, the E, not the F. That tells me if I don't do something very quick, I'm not going to be going anywhere. It's a gauge. It's not judging me. It's a gauge. But we can gauge how much of God's love, if we're on full or we are empty, is if there's fear. Because if there's fear, perfect love casts out fear. You can't have fear and the love of God and they can't coexist. That makes sense? If you want to get rid of the fear, you need to get, know, and God, believe God's love. Maybe you know God's love regarding finances, but you struggle regarding your health. Or maybe it's you struggle, you're good in this area, but you're struggling in this area. You have all kinds of peace and joy about God meeting your need here, but you have all kinds of fear over here. Or even just an ounce of it, or doubt. Well, His perfect love will cast out fear. Am I making sense with that? We can gauge. Where we're not believing God. We might have faith intellectually, but there's unbelief in our heart that is negating that love in that area. We need that love to be perfected. How do we be, be perfected? Knowing that believe God's love. How do we not believe God's love? Get in relationship with Him, His Word, the Holy Spirit, and, and, and just give His presence. When you know his love, you will be filled with the very fullness of God. We already talked about that. In other words, you can grow in your knowledge. You can grow in your knowledge of God by spending time with God in his presence by the Holy Spirit. There is a knowing of his love that surpasses knowledge. The Holy Spirit really is revealing the nature of God to me. We have been taught. Let me just say this. I'm reading my notes, but I'm going to pause here. 
we have been taught so much religious fear through the years. We don't really believe God loves us as his word tells us he does. We know it. And we can answer the right questions sometimes, theologically. But when the rubber meets the road, when life is, sh is throwing us a curveball, when life is throwing something at us, when the bills come in, or when the, or the doctor's report comes in, or our lab comes in, or whatever the case may be, something happens with our kids, our family, our relationships, whatever it might be, sometimes in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment, we don't all really believe God loves us, as His Word says, in some of those situations. But some, sometimes, we've been, I'm trying to switch gears here a little bit, we've been taught religious fear. Some of us, we don't realize we have. But we, we're going to find out by our gauge of what we've been taught. But I'm going to be switching gears here. We can be taught the love of God. We can, we, can, we can be taught how to love one another. I mean, we know God is not like us. He's not like people. He's not like man and how we love one another. No, we become like God, how He loves one another. See, religion uses fear. Religion uses manipulation, condemnation. Religion tries to motivate us to serve God, to love God, to live for Him, to love one another. And I believe when religion does it, the way religion teaches, teaches us how to love one another, I believe in many ways that's very ungodly. It's very even demonic. How the world, our religion, through fear and torment, teaches fear. Because love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. God does not involve torment. God is not manipulating us. God is not condemning us. But religion will. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I've been taught out of fear and manipulation to love one another and to love God and to serve God. Do I believe that we should serve God? Yes. Do I believe that we should live for God? Yes. Do I believe that we should love God and love one another and serve one another? Yes. But not based on fear. Not based on condemnation and torment, but based on love. Because we, as we see Him as He is, we should be like Him. We're not, I hope we're making sense. But when we're taught or through fear, and I believe it hinders the love of God in people's hearts and for each other. See, Many people, maybe you're not this way, maybe I'm not talking to you in this regard, but many people believe that God is a manipulator, that God is an intimidator. And because they believe God is that way, they act that way toward one another. Because whatever image you have of God, is that is how you are going to act toward others. Because when we see God as he is, that's what we will be like. It's like father, like son. And if our perception of God is that God is a hard taskmaster, he's manipulating us, a lot of times we will end up manipulating others. Religion has taught that. Okay? It's, I know I'm making a point, and, 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 and maybe it doesn't relate to you, but we need to look at the gauge of our hearts, just like the gauge on the dashboard on your car. If there's, if there's fear in your heart, 
if you're, there's manipulation on how you're treating other people, then perhaps the way you're viewing God in that area is based on fear. Am I, am I making sense? If you can, if you're seeing that you are treating other people with manipulation in one area, then perhaps you're seeing God as a manipulator in that area. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get on your case. I'm trying to expose some perhaps deception in people's hearts. Okay? You need to know how God loves you so that you can treat others the right way. If you don't have, if you have a misconstrued view of how God loves you, then you will many ways have a misconstrued way of how you love one and treat one another. We love because he, if we're dwelling in God and dwelling in love, then we will love. We love because He first loved us. We love because we're born of God. But if we're taught fear, we're operating in fear. Then we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna operate in that fear. Hopefully, I said that right. Uh, see, the rain. Bible says that the rain fall. God sends the rain to the just and the unjust just alike. God sends the, to bring sunshine to the just and the unjust just alike. The Bible says that God loves sinners. The Bible says that God loves those who hate Him. The Bible says that God hates them. He loves those who revile Him. If God loves sinners and God loves those who mistreat Him and do evil towards Him, what's wrong with us? We can't even sometimes... Get along with one another. And maybe I'm not talking to the, sometimes I'm talking to the choir here, not to the people. But I know some people listen sometimes in some churches and some gatherings, because we've seen it. Some people can't get along with one another. Even in the church. Even in families. We're, getting, we're coming to the, the holidays here pretty soon. And some people, that's a very beautiful time. But some people, that's a bunch of rivalry and and fear and torment. In some churches and some gatherings, we can't get along with one another. And God, and, and, and I understand people have done wrong, and I'm not excusing people's behavior when they've done wrong. But God loves those who hate Him and have reviled Him and persecuted Him. We, what's wrong with us? Somewhere in the midst of all that, we have a misconstrued view how, how God loves us. See, let me say this. Love is not based on the object being loved. Are you hearing me? Love is not based on the object being loved. Love is based on the character of the one who's loving. God doesn't love us based on what we've done. God loves us because He is love. That makes sense? God has never loved us based on what we've done. God has always loved us because of that's who He is. Let's flip the coin. Are we loving others based on what they've done? Are we loving others because we are born of God? I'm not saying we're excusing their behaviors. God doesn't excuse our sins. He's paid for him, yes. <coughs> but if you sow to the flesh, you will reap as the flesh reap corruption. But Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 6. God's not 
given, God's grace has not given us a license to sin. But how many know people are already sinning without license? But the grace of God, Titus 2.12, will teach us to deny ungodliness. God's love is not teaching us and enabling us to sin. God's love wants to break the power of sin in our lives. But God loved, see, even when we were still sinners, even when we were separated from God, even when we wanted nothing to do with God, God died for us. God's love for us was never based on what we did. God's love for us has always been based on who He is. And if we're not loving others because of what they've done, that love is not based on other, the, the, the object of the, of the... Let me say that again. Love is not based on the object being loved. Love is based on the character and nature of the one loving. That's God's love. Because love is of God. Love is not of you. You can't earn God's love. You can't merit God's love. Nothing can separate you from God's love. But yet we love people differently. Something's wrong. James says, with our lips we, we bless God, and with the same lips we curse men. Brothers, these things ought not to be so. We're born of God. Yet sometimes we don't act like it. That makes sense? And like Andrew says, you can say amen or oh me. I'm not trying to get on people's cases. I'm not trying to get on your case. I'm trying to magnify God. And I want us to be established in our Father's love. I want us to behold what matter of love the Father has toward us that we have become the children of God. And if we're children of God, then we need to act like God. Let me just go back to it real quick. But verse John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, I can't, I can't talk about being established in God's love and love, not loving one another. The two are connected. They're intertwined. It's who we are. Because as, go back to it one more time, First John 3, 2. For when he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If we see God as the God who loves us, no matter what we've done, then how can we be loving in a different way? Because we shall be like him as we see him as he is. Did God love you? Has God, does God love you on your worst day? Did God love you even when you hated him before you were saved? Did God hate you when you've done the worst? You, you've done you at your worst. Is God love towards you based on what you've done? Or is it based on who He is? Love is not me loving Him. God, love is Him loving me and becoming my propitiation. Faith works by love. And the Bible says anything that's not a faith is sin. Faith works by love. It, it's not faith if it's not based on His love. Paul said, the life I live, I live by the faith of God and Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. If we're not living our life based on what He's loved us, then what are we living our life by? We're either living our life based on His love, or we're living our life based on something else that's not of God. We can know it intellectually, we can know it biblically. We might be born again, but we're sure not acting like it. Some of us, and I'm not again, I'm not trying to get people again, but some of us are born of God, but we act like the devil. 
And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to get on people's case. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not trying to manipulate. But I'm trying to encourage us as the church of God, the family of God, that we see him as he is, so we act like him. Because love is not based on the object being loved. Based is on the character and nature of the one loving. And we're born of God. Amen? I want to love others in the same manner God loves us. Love me. And I can't do that in the flesh. I can only do that when I know and believe his love for me. That my love is perfected. So I can love you the way God loves you. I can't do that in the flesh. I can't, but if I walk in the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, goodness. Is that making sense? Love is of God. Love is not of me. Love is of God. And I'm born of God. Many times through the years, and as pastoring, but even just as a, a child of God, I've heard people say, well, I just can't love that person. And I understand, don't get me wrong, I understand some people have done worse and worse. I understand some people have done some horrible, horrible things. And some people have gone through some horrible things. I'm talking about those who have been molested, raped, violated in some way. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to any of that. But I'm not trying to be insensitive to your pain and what you've gone through. But I am trying to magnify it. Behold, what manner of love the Father has in us. Only God's love can heal you if you've gone through any of that junk. And only God's love can help you love others, including the one who has abused and violated you in the most worst way. But God wants to set you free. God doesn't want you to live your life through torment and fear. God wants to set you free. And God wants to use you to set other people free. It says in James, if we, if, if we sin, let us call upon the elders and let us confess our faults to one another that we might be healed. We need to be healed. And uh, make sense? But when people say, I just can't love them, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God because His love is shed out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need to know and believe His love for in other words, yes, I'm talking about how we need to love one another, but don't let that be your focus. Focus on His love for you. I'm not trying to focus on, I'm not trying to manipulate and tell you to love God in the flesh. I'm trying to get you to, to love, receive, behold what manner of love He has for you. Because when you behold and know and believe God's love for you, it's not you, it's Him. It's Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live, I live by the faith of God of him who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not you, but it's him in you that is able to love one another. If you are trying to love people out of the flesh, then all you're going to get is flesh. We're not trying to love people. It's like Yoda talking in Star Wars, telling to Luke, there's no try to do. And we don't do it in the flesh because... Love is of God. Love, love is not of me. You cannot love others out of your flesh. You cannot love others as you should by sure willpower. Because it doesn't, it doesn't exist in you. But it exists in Christ who is in you. 
And only by you believing and knowing God's love for you, only by you being established in your Father's love for yourself, by beholding what manner of love that He had shown upon, bestowed upon you, only by seeing Him as He is will you become like Him. There's no other way. You can't cheat on this. You can't, you can't, you, there's, there's no cheating in this. There's no manipulation. There's no other way. Either it's of God or it's not. It's either supernatural or superficial. Either it's genuine or it's a fake, a counterfeit. There's only one kind of love that's true love, and it's of God. And we behold His love, not do it on our own. We can't do any of this in the flesh. We can't do any of this religiously out of fear. It can only be of God. So that His love, only by being filled with His Spirit and knowing and believing His love, can His love in you and through you be reproduced in loving others. That makes sense? Only by being filled with His Spirit, only by knowing and believing His love, can His love in you and through you be reproduced in and through others. God loved you when you were unlovely. God loved you when you, God has never, God loved you when you even never asked for his love. You never wanted his love. God loved you when you wanted nothing to do with his love. God loved you when, I, I gotta read my notes here. God has never asked me to do or be anything he is not. I want to say that again. God has never asked you or me to do anything that he is not already doing. God has never asked you to be something he's not already. God is love. He's not asking you to be something or do something he's not already doing. We don't believe God is loving, so sometimes we don't act loving. In other words, sometimes... We don't believe God is the way he tells us to be. And, and let me just think that in. For example, let me give you some examples here. A couple of scriptures I want to go to. Let's go to Romans 12, 14. It says, uh, Paul's right here. It says, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. God's telling us to the letters of Paul and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to bless those who persecute you and bless those who and do not curse. God doesn't tell us to do something that he is not already doing. God blesses those who persecute him. God is blessing those who curse him. Even if you have persecuted God, even if you have persecuted Christ or cursed him, he is still blessing you. God's not going to do something, tell you to do something or be something he doesn't already do. Let's use another one real quick. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Let's go, first of all, to verse 11. Again, blessed are you who, when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. God 
tells us to bless those who revile, who persecute, who say all kinds of evil against you falsely. God, God's telling us to do that because that's what he does. How many people have, 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 have reviled and persecuted God? Remember Paul, before he became Paul, was Saul. He, he, he caught, he, he, he intercepted Paul on the, the way to Damascus. He said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Everything, we think sometimes people are persecuting Christians, but are actually persecuting Christ. People have spoken evil. People have spoken evil. I mean, just look at the news in our society today. They're speaking out against God. I just heard, I mean, I don't even, I didn't, I didn't want to hear this message. I don't want to hear this message. But the Pope said something the other day, totally against Christ. And I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to put that thought in your mind. But, and I'm not against people. I'm not against different things. But I'm against the message if the message is wrong. But there are people who speak all kinds of evil and falseness against God. But God still loves them. God still wants to bless them. And even when we've done those things, God loves us and blesses us. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. How many just making sense? Let's go to Matthew uh, 5.44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. It's, I know it's the same message over and over again. But I made a statement here, we don't believe God is the way he tells us to be. Sometimes. Some of us. Maybe that doesn't hit you. Maybe that's not fly to you. But I just know sometimes, I, if I really am honest with ourselves, especially sometimes in my past, God is the way he tells me to be. And I just know there's been times, maybe I might not have said it and voiced it in a certain way, but there's times I've doubted God. There's times I've doubted God. And, but God has done everything he's called us to be. And we can't do any of these things that he's telling us to do in these three passages we just read without knowing and believing God's love for ourselves. When we believe who God is, we will be like him. The so God's the source, we're not the source. We don't have love in ourselves, but God is love. And it's only by God's grace, it's only by knowing and believing God's love that we can do any of this when we were, we're treated this way. Sometimes, some of us have gone through a lot of persecution. Some not so much, but some others have. I know we've gone through some things in the last couple of years, people speaking falsely against us and reviling us and hating us. And our flesh wants to react sometimes. But only by knowing His love can we love them and love our enemies and love those who persecute us. You know, so this might not hit home to some of you, but... Some of us have some real enemies. And it's not, in the flesh, it's not easy to love your enemies. But we can when we know and believe his love. When we see him as he is, even those who hate us, we can love them. Does that make sense? We can only do it by his love, 
by knowing his love for us. We can't do it in the flesh. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And we're called to love our enemies. But God is not calling us to do something he's not already doing. He loves our enemies. He, we were all enemies of God at one point before we became born again. We were all enemies of God. Some of us even hated God before we became born again. Perhaps that would be listening. But Love is not based on you. Love is based on his character, his nature. Love is not based on these people doing evil towards us. Love is based on the nature of God who is in us, loving these people. God tells us to bless those who persecute us, revile us, all matters. Evil speak against us falsely, <coughs> curse us, hate us, despitefully use us. What happens if we treat God this way? He blesses us. If we did anything to God, he, he blesses us. We have so much religious fear that God will reject us, turn on us, condemn us if we do anything. But God loves us. God blesses us. We, um, some have been taught, brought up under the law, regulations and rules for so long that we really think everything in our relationship with God is based on our performance. We, we, it's hard for us to see how God can bless us if we do any of these things. But God tells us to bless our enemies, to pray for our enemies. That sounds so foreign. That's why it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has to us is so it's like that rose that's growing in the middle of the Antarctic. It's so foreign to the environment. We can't do any of these things. Jesus, it was by just knowing, knowing his love for Jesus, when he knew his love of his Father, he could tell those who were striking him and, 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 and persecuting him, forgive my Father, forgive them, for they know that what they did. Stephen, when he was being sown, and being spoken falsely of, and being persecuted, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Many people throughout the Old and New Testament were able to show great examples of forgiveness because they knew and they believed God's love for them. They couldn't do that in the flesh. And some people have gone through some horrible things. I mean, I saw something even on the Facebook this week of this guy who forgave the woman who, who murdered his, his own brother. It's only by God's grace that we can do something like that. Am I making sense? Now, you know, I, I said kind of all of that to say this. I said it, my wife said it again. We really think everything in our relationship with God is based on our entire relationship with God is based on His performance. Because this is love, not that we love Him, but that He loved us and became our propitiation. It's all based on His performance. It's always based on the lover, not the one meeting love. Instead of our relationship with God being based on His love, His goodness, many of us base our love on our performance. But our relationship with God is based on His goodness. God is not related to, the, to me on the basis of my performance. 
See, if we got what we deserve, we all deserve hell. Each and every one of us. And Andrew said, who wants to be the best sinner in hell? It's not based on his, our performance. It's based on his performance. God is not using me because of me. And we can all say this. But God is using me in spite of me. Because of his goodness. God is good. And there's not enough sufficient words in our English language to describe how good our God is, our Father is. But He is a good, good Father. It's His goodness that leads us to repentance. His goodness leads us to repentance, not our performance. It's His goodness. In other words, you can't change independent of the presence and power of God and His love. You can't change. It's His goodness that leads us to repentance. It's not because we just woke up one day and on our own came to our senses. It's His goodness that led us to repentance. Whenever we had a revelation, someone spoke to us. See, we are changed from glory to glory. We are changed from faith to faith, from grace to grace. God's glory is what we are to behold. We are to behold His glory. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed. His glory is His love, His nature, His virtue, His character. The glory of His person, the glory of His nature, which is love. Um, I think I'm going to pick it up here. Yeah, I'm going to pick it up here next week. Um, we're going to... Last week we went to go at Romans 5, and I want to spend a little more time in Romans 5, um, but I don't think I have enough time. We're basically out of time for the day. So I'm going to pick it up here, and we're going to have some more, more info. Um, I know a lot of this week was a recap from last week, but, there's a, but I, I kind of said it in a different format. But I just want, because the, the heart of this message is that we are established in His love. And, uh, I'm not just talking, I want to see, I want it to be deep in the sense that we are so established in beholding what manner of love the Father has upon us. And as we see Him as He is, we will be like Him. But until we see Him as He is, we're not going to be like Him. We can't do it on our own willpower, right? It's impossible. But we need to see Him as He is. Don't focus on you. Will be like him. Don't focus on even. Yes, there's a lot of exhortation about loving one another. John talks about Jesus talking. There's over a hundred times in the New Testament how it talks about how we have to love one another. So there is an exhortation. There is, even in the New Testament, a commandment to love one another. John just talked about it in 1 John 3 23. The commandment is that we believe on him who sent him, that we love one another. It's still a command of God. And all the law is hinged on loving God and loving one another. But we can't do any of that without first receiving His love. So the focus is not even on loving one another, because if we're loving one another in our own willpower, we're doing it in the flesh. We love because He loved us. So the focus is going back to His love. You, you cannot dwell in God and dwell in love and not love one another. It's impossible. So if you're not loving one another as we are directed to, exhorted to, then there's a disconnect. And that's receiving his love. 
when we know who we are in Christ, because this all goes back to that, who we are in Christ. Christ is love. God is love. We will just, we, we will love at each other in a sense naturally, but really it's supernatural. Because we're abiding in Him who is love. You can't abide in the vine. And you see, if, I'm a, if a, a, a branch of an apple tree is abiding in the vine, that, that seed of the apple, it's gonna, that branch is going to produce apples. Why? Because it's abiding in the vine. The branch is not going to produce apples on its own. It's going to produce apples because it's abiding in the vine. The source, the sap, the, the, the source of that apple is the vine. We're abiding in God. He's the one that's going to love one another in and through us. If we're not abiding in Him, His love, we can't love one another. As we should. But if we're abiding in him, not only will we love one another, but we will have the desire to love one another. Because we're abiding in the vine. That apple branch has the desire to produce apples because it's abiding in the vine. If you were to graft a, a branch of an orange tree into an apple tree, it's not going to produce oranges even though the branch is an orange tree. It's abiding now properly, grafted into the apple tree, it's going to produce apples. The life is in Christ. The life, and we're going to love because God is love. Love is of God. Behold what man and the Father have bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Lord, we just worship you this morning, exalt you this morning. I know I said a lot of different things, but my heart, I will know it's your heart that we become established in your love. Teach us afresh your love. Even as we go about our week and our days and everything we're involved in, remind us and teach us afresh to be grounded in your love. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen. Thanks.